canonizations. That's what everyone is talking about. The Church makes Pope John XXIII and Pope John Paul II saints. What does that mean? Well, for one, the Church doesn't make saints. The Church merely proclaims that someone is in heaven. That's what being a saint is, being in heaven. The Church gives a guarantee that someone is a saint in heaven. But also, when the Church proclaims someone a saint, when the Church adds them to the canon of saints, it also means that we should look to these people as models for holiness. But that's where I have a problem. Proclaiming that a Pope is a model for holiness is one thing, but it doesn't help me greatly. I have a hard time relating to a Pope. Don't get me wrong, I love both these Popes. I had the chance of meeting John Paul II three times, and yes, the man is a saint. He was a saint while he was Pope. He wasn't perfect, but being a saint doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means that you're holy. No one deserves to go to heaven, but we are all created for heaven. That's where we belong, and that's why we need models of sainthood. Can John XXIII and John Paul II be models of holiness for me? I'm sure. But maybe not because they were popes, no. Maybe because the fact that they are saints means that they are more like me than I'd think. Think about it. They were not perfect. They made mistakes. They struggled. And still they reached for holiness. That's me. I make mistakes and I fall, but I get up again and I keep trying. Keep climbing. May Popes John XXIII and Pope John Paul II pray for us that we can, one day, share the glory of heaven with them. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. First off, we give away a prize, and our winner is Luke Proctor. Luke Proctor, you've won a copy of Rebecca Rubion's limited edition album, The Old, The Young. Congratulations, this is an excellent album, complete with songs from Rebecca Rubion's both albums, Fields and Forests as well as two singles and an unreleased track called Faladay. I wish I had this album. Luke Proctor, you are one lucky guy. Now, if you haven't yet done so, please send us an email to radio at saltandlighttv.org so you can claim your prize. And for the rest of you, if you want to enter our weekly draw, go to our webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio and enter your name and email address where it says stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes. Make sure you enter your real name and please, if you enter, check your email because there's nothing worse than emailing people to let them know that they won and then they don't respond. If you entered, it's because you want to win, right? So check your email. Today we have a bit of a different show. We're going to speak to several people who are in Rome about these uh, weekend's festivities. If you haven't heard, both Popes John XXIII and Pope John Paul II are being canonized this weekend on Sunday. So that will be a little different. Um, we're going to have an extended Saint of the Week uh, segment. Andrew Santos will be here to tell us about both saints. And also, Father Tom Rosica has a reflection for the second Sunday of Easter. This one is about St. Thomas. And in our second half hour, Father Tom Rosica returns because 
He is in Rome, and he is the English language assistant to the Vatican Press Office. So everything that no one else could tell us about the canonizations, he will. And at the end of the program, we'll be speaking with singer-songwriter Joe Zambone. Joe returns to the program because he has a new album, Brothers, and that's where we begin. Here's Joe Zambone with, and I think you'll like this track, Dead Man Rise from his new album, Brothers. I said, ooh, say ooh, I said, ooh, let the dead man rise, let the dead man rise. I said, ooh, say ooh, I said, ooh, let the dead man rise, let the dead man rise. Lines you once had joined You either live what you believe Believe what you live But a life in sin can justify anything So let the damn man rise Let the damn man rise And bind his feet Open his eyes Once was lost Can now be found Once was dead now That was Joe Zambone with the radio debut. That means that you heard it here first, Dead Man Rise, from his album, Brothers. We're going to be speaking with Joe in our second half hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org radio. Coming up, a reflection for the second week of Easter. And now it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Andrew? How are you? So I think I can predict that you're going to do two saints today. <laughs> Goodness gracious! So much for uh, kind of keeping it. Uh, you on know, the down we, that's low, we've but, uh, all we've do, doing is talking about John the Twenty Third and Pope John Paul. Absolutely, II. and you know what? It's just it's. Uh, um, 
So it's good. I don't know what to tell you. It, no, it's, it's surreal that, you know, here I am going to be talking about these two saints who are, you know, being brought to the glory of the altar on Sunday. Uh, they're being canonized. Yes. But, like, I don't know about you, but I feel as if JP2's funeral was just last week. It, uh, you're right. It's Seriously. True. Like, all the networks stopped. You know, all the cameras were fixed on that uh, on that room. And, you know, just, you know, I could still envision the scenes of JP2's body just sitting in St. Peter's Basilica and the crowds. And, you know, here we are. We're, almost, yeah, almost 10 years almost later. Almost 10 years later. Nine years yeah. later, you know, giving thanks to God for the right. glory of his life. So, yeah. you know, okay, it's, so for people, it's, it's, it's quite surreal, and I'm very grateful. So for people who don't know who these two popes were, tell us tell us a little bit about their lives. All right, so, uh, yeah, here we go. First of all, we're going to look at John the 23rd. Uh, he is the firstborn son of, of a family in Soto il Monte, mm-hmm. which is in northern Italy, and he went by the name Angelo Giuseppe Roncalli. Mm-hmm. So um, he joined the secular Franciscan order, and after his ordination in 1904, Angelo returned to Rome for canon law studies. Uh-huh. So he was known to work as his bishop's secretary. He became a church history teacher in the seminary, and he was also publisher of the diocesan paper. Really? So I, you know, kind of got that relation. Uh, I can sort of relate to him yeah, yeah, because yeah. you know here we are working in as media. A and he yeah. was a publisher of a diocesan paper. Uh, his service as a stretcher bearer for the Italian army during World War One gave him kind of a knowledge of war. Hmm. So in 1921, he was made national director for the Society of the Propagation of the Faith. Okay. And there are national directors all throughout the world, even yes. here in Canada. Yes. So he found time to teach patristics at a seminary in Rome. Uh, we looked in 1925. He became a papal diplomat serving in Bulgaria, uh, then in Turkey, and finally in France. Mm-hmm. So during World War II, he became very, very well acquainted with Orthodox Church leaders. And with the help of Germany's ambassador to Turkey, Archbishop Roncalli mm-hmm. helped save an estimated 24,000 Jewish people. Wow. You know, Deacon Pedro, people are so quick to criticize the Church that the Church didn't do anything to help Jewish people during mm-hmm. the Second World War. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, we look at the life of Blessed John the Twenty Third, and he really, you know, put his neck out on the line, and he saved a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, Roncalli was named a Cardinal and appointed Patriarch of Venice in 1953, um, a month short of entering his 78th year. 78th year, he was elected Pope, yeah. and he took the name John after his father and the two patrons of Rome's cathedral, St. John Lateran. Yeah. He took his work very seriously. Uh, his wit soon became known by everyone in the world, yeah. and he began meeting with political and religious leaders from around the world, and you know, he, met from, he met with them from all different spectrums. Mm-hmm. In 1962, he was deeply involved in efforts to resolve the Cuban Missile Crisis. Right. So his most famous encyclicals were Mother and Teacher and Peace on Earth, Pace and Tere, mm-hmm. in 1963. And Pope John XXIII enlarged the membership in the College of Cardinals, and he made it more international. Mm-hmm. And most especially, we cannot forget about John XXIII. We cannot um, talk about John XXIII without mentioning the Second Vatican Council. Mm-hmm. He opened it. And at the opening, in his address, he criticized the prophets of doom, who in these modern times see nothing but prevarication and ruin. So Pope John XXIII really set a tone for the Council. So up until his deathbed, on his deathbed, he said, it is not that the Gospel has changed, it is that we have begun to understand it better. So good Pope John, as he was referred to, died on June the 3rd in 1963, 
And Pope John Paul II beatified him in 2000, mm. interestingly enough, and mm. Pope Francis will canonize him tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, that is Blessed John XXIII. Mm-hmm. Now, looking to Pope John Paul II. Yes. Here we go. He was born in Wadowice. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pronouncing that in properly. Poland, yeah. Hopefully our, Poli- our Polish listeners won't complain. Born in Wadowice, Poland, uh, Karol Joseph Wojtyla mm-hmm. uh, had lost his mother, fa- father, and older brother before his 21st birthday. Mm-hmm. So Karol's academic cr- career at Krakow's University was cut short by the outbreak of World War II. So while working in a chemical factory, he enrolled in an underground seminary in Krakow. So he was ordained in 1946, year after World War II had ended, and he was immediately sent to Rome where he earned a doctorate in theology. Mm-hmm. Communist officials allowed him to be appointed Auxiliary Bishop of Krakow in 1958, and funny enough, they thought him to be a relatively harmless intellectual. They couldn't have been more wrong. Um, he was elected Pope in October 1978. He was one of the youngest popes in church history, and he took the name of his short-lived, intermedi- um, of his short-lived immediate predecessor, uh-huh. so, who was Pope John Paul I. The first, yeah. So uh, Pope John Paul II was the first non-Italian pope in 455 years. In time, throughout his papacy, he made pastoral visits to get this, 124 countries, Mm -hmm. including several with small, very small Christian populations. Yes. His 1979 visit to Poland encouraged the growth of the Solidarity Movement, Mm -hmm. and that sparked the collapse of communism. He began World Peace Day. Uh, Salt Light would not be where it is today without uh, World Youth Day, and we give thanks to him for that. And one of the most well-remembered photos of his pontificate, let's look back to 1983 when he met with the man in prison who tried to kill him. Mm -hmm. So John Paul II wrote 14 encyclicals, five books, canonized 482 saints, Mm -hmm. and in the last years of his life, he suffered from Parkinson's disease. Yes. Um, What a witness to life he was. And because of that Parkinson's, Deacon Pedro, he was kind of forced to cut back on his daily activities right. as pontiff. Pope Benedict XVI beatified John Paul II in 2011, and here we go. Tomorrow, Pope Francis will canonize him in a special Mass in St. Peter's Square. Mm-hmm. So we give thanks to God for the gift of, uh, of these two men who really, really um, took the Church on the road, who really... Um, showed us what it's like to live uh, a happy, healthy, and holy life. They literally shared the joy of the gospel. And we give thanks to God for the gift of these men. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah, you, you just made me think, John, John the 23rd opened the windows, and, and John the S- Paul II took it on the road. Um, yeah, a lot of people say that John that had... The internet existed, and social media been what it is today with John the 23rd, he would have been... Pope Francis. Absolutely. That's, that's how popular he was. And it's funny because, you know, I, even remembering our, our meetings and our times together um, at, at, at Salt and Light, and, you know, just the casual conversations, we see John the 23rd in Pope Francis. Yes. It's scary because, you know, much. here we are, um, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the opening of the Second Vatican Council, and that was about yeah. uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago. Yes. And it's amazing the the everything that... John the Twenty Third stood for. Um, just looking at his personality, mm-hmm. it's being his lived out today yeah. in Pope Francis. It's so it's very astonishing yes. looking at the similarities. Yeah, so yeah. Um, 
very much. Historic, historic indeed. I'm looking forward to, to the events tomorrow. The best days of the church are ahead of us, and one of those days are tomorrow. Good. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. All right, very much. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Andrew Santos, our saint expert, is the youth director at St. Justin Martyr Parish in Markham, Ontario. Hi, I'm Rebecca Rubion, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. There is a proverb which says, when the heart is not applied, the hands can't do anything. It's a very appropriate proverb for the gospel of the second Sunday of Easter, that gospel of Thomas, often called the doubter or the skeptic. Thomas, the one who was not present the first time that Jesus appeared. And when Thomas is present the next time, it's a wonderful, marvelous, awesome moment of an encounter between a beloved disciple named Thomas and his Lord and Savior, Jesus. It is evening, the first day of the week, and the disciples are sealed hermetically in an upper room. They are frightened and fearful. Suddenly, the risen one defies locked doors, locked hearts, and locked vision. He simply appears. Gently, ever so gently, he reaches out to the broken and wounded apostle named Thomas. Thomas hesitatingly put his finger into the wounds of Jesus and love flowed out. Long ago, St. Gregory the Great said of Thomas, if by touching the wounds on the body of his master, Thomas is able to help us overcome the wounds of disbelief, then the doubting of Thomas will have been more used to us than the faith of all the other apostles. Thomas the Apostle is truly one of the greatest and most honest lovers of Jesus, not the eternal skeptic nor the bullish, stubborn personality that the Christian tradition has often painted of him. Thomas stood before the cross, not comprehending. All his dreams were hanging on the cross with his young friend. All of his hopes had been shattered. What do we do when something to which we have totally committed ourselves is completely destroyed before our very eyes? What do we do when someone to whom we have given total loyalty is suddenly crushed by powerful and faceless institutions? What do we do when our immediate reaction in the actual moment of crisis is to run and hide for fear of the madding crowds? Such were the questions of most of the disciples, including Thomas, who had supported and followed Jesus of Nazareth for the better part of three years. Are we not often like Thomas, never seeming to be there when Jesus arrived? Has the absurdity of that resurrection rumor sent us away? Jesus keeps on appearing to us again and again, unlocking the barriers of faith and doubt between life and death, between past and future, between fear and joy. The good news of the gospel is eminently clear. When and where we least expect him and when we most need him, Jesus appears. Centuries after Thomas, we remain forever grateful for the honesty and humanity of this disciple's struggle. 
Though we know so little about Thomas's origins, about his background, we do know through an important hint given to us that his name is Didymus, which means twin. Who was Thomas's other half? Who was his twin? Maybe we can see his twin by looking into the mirror. Thomas's other half is anyone who has struggled with the pain of unbelief, doubt, and despair, and has allowed the presence of the risen Jesus to make a huge difference. The doubting Thomas, the questioning Thomas within each of us must be touched. We are asked to respond to the wounds within ourselves and others. Even in our weakness, we are urged to breathe forth the Spirit so that the wounds may be healed and our fears overcome. With Thomas, we will believe. We will be able to share with others the blessing that was extended to him and through him to all of us. Blessed are you because you have seen. Blessed are all of those who have not seen but believe. That is the Easter blessing extended to each of us. Audrey Assad here. Hi, I'm Sarah Kroger. Hi, I'm Michael James Meddy. Hey, this is Marie Miller. Hi, I'm Emma Fred. This is Josh Blakesley. This is Jackie Francois. Hello, this is Daniel Rose. Hi, this is Curtis. Hi, I'm Stephen Grisano, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour. Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can follow me at Deacon Pedro GM. And now we've reached a Canadian pilgrim who is in Rome for the canonizations. Oriana Bertucci is the director of campus ministry for Ryerson University in Toronto, and uh, she traveled to Rome this this week. Oriana, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. So why why did you go to Rome this week? Because I wanted to see the canonization. Uh, you know, this is a historical moment in the time of our church. Two of arguably what I would say are the most influential popes of the 20th century are being canonized on the same day in the presence of two living popes. That's never been done before, and I'm not sure. I'm pretty. I think it's pretty safe to say that it will never happen again in my lifetime. I don't. I don't think so. Okay, so so it's Wednesday. It's the middle of the week. Or, uh, what's the atmosphere in Rome? I, I hear you, you just came out of outside dinner. Is it full of people? What's the yeah. atmosphere? Lots of. We had dinner by the. Piazza Navona, tons of people, lots of tour groups. Um, what's really neat to see is there's lots of young people here. Uh, we went to the Wednesday audience this morning. It was packed. Yeah. There were a ton of people, and the Pope recognized a whole group of young people who had just been confirmed from Milan. Um, lots of energy, lots of excitement, big posters around the city uh, announcing the canonization of John the Twenty Third and JP2. It's just lots of energy. It's a great, great feeling. So I, I know I've seen you since, but, uh, but I think that I just saw you in Rio at World Youth Day, Oriana. What, what, <laughs> it, does it feel a little bit like World Youth Day? 
It really does. You know, you walk down the street, uh, people have flags in their bags, they smile at you. Uh, we had a Canadian flag this morning at the audience, and some people came up and said, oh, where are you from in Canada? Um, actually, we've seen lots of people with World Youth Day bags, lots of pilgrims coming here. So it is really the same feeling. There's even rumors that people are going to camp out the night before the canonization. So right. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So how does that work? Do you just kind of go in the morning on the Sunday if you're go doing that and, and you kind of land wherever you land? Or what are you planning? Right. Well, there's no tickets to the canonization, so yeah. we haven't fully figured out our attack, plan of attack, but um, the, we're thinking of getting up at the crack of dawn, probably around 4.30 in the morning, um, and head down to wait out by the doors so that when the doors open, we can uh, hopefully squeeze our way into the square, but we really have no idea what to anticipate, and it's just exciting to be here and, and, and to be part of it. Yeah, the energy. Um, there, you, you mentioned that you were at the general audience this morning, Wednesday, have there been other canonization-related events that are happening, either already happened or that are happening during the week? Um, there's lots. We've been visiting a lot of parishes, and a lot of parishes individually are doing things. Yeah. Um, masses, holy hours, um, concerts, a lot of bands and um, choral groups are traveling here and performing in parishes. Um, so every parish that we visited has is they're all doing something in anticipation for the canonization. Mm -hmm, nice. Um, you, you mentioned kind of very objectively that Pope John the Twenty-Third and Pope John Paul II are probably the most influential two popes of the 20th century, <laughs> certainly. Um, but yes. for, for you personally, wh why do you look up to these two men? Uh, do you have something that you can maybe leave our listeners with in terms of how they are good models for holiness? Well, as a laywoman working in the church and as a young person, I think these two popes are instrumental in the formation that I've received. Obviously, John the Twenty-Third, you know, opened the Second Vatican Council, uh, instrumental in the role that the laity play in the church. And then John Paul II, you know, um, started World Youth Days. Mm -hmm. Really, um, a man whose love of young people just resonates, and I think that's probably one of the things that we remember him for the best. So, um, both of them very different yet very similar, uh, loving, caring, peaceful, uh, the, the impact that they had on, on me personally as a Catholic, but I think on, on probably millions of other Catholics around the world, uh, that's partly why I wanted to come and be here for this. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think uh, millions and millions agree with you there. Oriana, we're going to leave it there because I know you're, you're in the middle of dinner, so thank you for speaking with us and enjoy yeah. the week, okay? Thank you, thank you so much. Oriana Bertucci is the director of campus ministry for Ryerson University in Toronto. We reached her in Rome earlier this week. And now don't go anywhere because coming up in our second half hour, more on Pope John Twenty-Third and Pope John Paul II and a featured conversation with Joe Zambone. So stay tuned.
Salt and Light Radio now includes four playlists where you can find the best of Catholic music. Salt and Light Radio 1 for contemporary music. Salt and Light Radio 2 for easy listening music. Salt and Light Radio 3 for world music. And Salt and Light Radio 4 for children's music. Connect with your favorite Catholic music and your favorite Catholic artists with Salt and Light Radio playlists. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Many popes have been canonized, 80 to be exact. Twelve have been beatified, two are venerables, and three are servants of God. But before this weekend, only one 20th century pope, Pius X, has been canonized. I'm now joined by Father Thomas Rosica to give us the details of the weekend's events and to tell us the significance of Pope John XXIII and Pope John Paul II being added to the canon of saints. Father Tom, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. I'm sorry about the time distance that separates us. I'm here in the Holy See press office in my office and it's a great opportunity to speak about the story that's unfolding before us. And I know, thank you, I know you're very, very busy, so thank you for taking the, the little time to, to talk to us. So, what exactly are the events of the weekend? We, we know there's a canonization ceremony on Sunday morning, but that is not the only thing that's, that's happening. Can you give us some details? It's really a whole week of events that's happening before us. There are prayer vigils, uh, musical theater pieces, there are celebrations throughout the whole week from all the different communities streaming here from around the world. Mm -hmm. All of that will culminate into Saturday and Sunday. On Saturday afternoon, late afternoon and evening, there's going to be an all-night vigil in 11 churches of downtown Rome that will welcome pilgrims from all the different countries and language groups, mm -hmm. liturgies of the Word, prayers, evening prayer, night prayer, stories, and, and uh, bits of the saints' teachings. And this will keep the pilgrims in a mood of prayer before the celebration on Sunday, the Mass of Canonization, right. that will take place in St. Peter's Square. But because of the huge numbers, there will be people scattered throughout the big plazas and piazzas of Rome watching on big screens. Right. How many people are, are you expecting? Well, it's, the Italian press has really blown the numbers out of proportion, but I think it's going to be somewhere around 2 million people. Mm -hmm. uh, people are already here in the streets. So there's huge crowds of people, national flags. It's a real spirit of a World Youth Day. Right. It's the universal church that's coming. You know, the image I had this morning was John Paul II spent his papacy taking the church to the ends of the earth and the ends of the earth are coming to give thanks to God for the great role model that he was. Absolutely. And they're also coming to rediscover one of the hidden treasures that's really not known to so many people in the life and witness of Pope John the Twenty-Third. Uh-huh. Now, uh, uh, we know that the, the, the ceremony on Sunday morning is a Mass, but is there something right. unusual about these canonizations, or is it pretty much by the book? Well, the canonization Mass has a certain part of it right at the beginning of the liturgy after the procession. The procession will be led in with the singing of the, the litany of saints. The, of saints. the sheer numbers of people present indicate that something big is happening. Uh -huh. This will be probably the first canonization of four popes. By yes. that I mean two popes living that are celebrating this, Pope Francis presiding, assisted by Pope Benedict, uh -huh. celebrating two of their predecessors in the persons of John and John Paul. Right. There are a thousand uh, bishops that are here, at least a thousand bishops now. 800 have picked up their tickets as of this morning and 200 more on the way. Mm -hmm. 6,000 priests con-celebrating 150 cardinals that will be con-celebrating, those in function and those who are retired. Uh -huh. So we know that something is different. We also have heads of delegations, 93 
government delegations are present. Right. And out of those, I think we have about 25 heads of state, uh-huh. 24 heads of state. Uh, some to come, we have government delegations at a lower rank of ambassadors or prime ministers or whatever. Right. So this is a huge celebration. Absolutely, absolutely. Very significant. You mentioned a lot of people uh, are familiar with uh, John Paul II. He, he's our pope. He, we were alive during his papacy, but a lot of people are not familiar with John XXIII. So can you maybe give us a... a, a why, why is John XXIII being canonized? John XXIII's reputation for holiness was known when he was still alive. In fact, at one of the first gatherings of the Council Fathers after he died, they spoke about canonizing him right away. Uh-huh. And they said, no, let's get on with the council, let's do that first. But already when he was in life, his great uh, paternal spirit, his sheer, utter goodness, his desire for dialogue, his outreach to the world, his willingness to move forward and to be creative, really inspired the world at a very important moment in world history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is not something new. We've known this for a long time. I mean. We don't have film footage of his funeral in 1963 and crowds crying out, Santo Subito. Really? But I'm sure they were thinking and saying that in their hearts. Yeah. Uh, it took 50 years now for his story to spread, but most people may not know him, but they know his greatest work, and they're products of his greatest work, the Second Vatican Council. Mm-hmm. And so this is somebody whose story may be a little bit hidden, but who was a great, great figure who marked the world and marked history. It was the world that recognized his great qualities at the time of mm-hmm. his death. In fact, the title of the good pope was not given to him by the church, but it was given to him by politicians who were all in electoral campaign when he visited his last parish in 1963. And the night before he got to the church, this is an interesting story, uh-huh. they suddenly removed all of the electoral posters and all the campaign posters. And when the pope arrived at the church, there was a huge banner that said, Welcome to the good pope. Right. And this was put up not by the church, but by the politicians, which... That says something, too, that the world was recognizing extraordinary qualities. And when he died of stomach cancer in 1963, mm-hmm. the world mourned his passing. Uh-huh. So he, he was called the Good Pope, and Pope John Paul II a lot of times was called John Paul the Great. Uh, well, Pope John Paul II's reputation is still very much alive for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, he took the Church to the ends of the earth. He, he decided to take it off the banks of the Tiber, and he went to the most remote places and recognized the Church is also present there. Mm-hmm. He was the great articulate teacher. He had a great sense of history. He was very concerned about what was happening in his part of the world, in Eastern Europe, and many people attribute the fall of communism, the fall of that Iron Curtain, to his, his presence at that moment in history and some of his action. Mm-hmm. He was bold. He was courageous. When he arrived on the scene in 1978, it was a young, dynamic 58-year-old who was an athlete, a swimmer, a mountain climber, somebody who had courage, he had chutzpah. And what we did is watch him over the next 27 years, and basically we watched him suffer and die before our eyes. And it was those final years where he really touched the world and brought to life the meaning of suffering in a world that's kind of a throwaway culture, a world that doesn't have much time for people who are old and infirm, he showed us the great dignity of human life from the beginning right to the end. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, canonization is, is specifically about providing models for holiness for all of us. So specifically about holiness, what can we learn from these two popes? The best that we are in the Church, the most important thing that we can offer in the Church is holiness. That's our calling card. Mm-hmm. We're called to holiness. Lumen Gentium, the, do- the document of the Council said that. 
the proclamation of saints is not the declaration of perfection. Right. After all, the first requirement to be a saint is you have to be a sinner. Yes. But a sinner who believes in forgiveness and who accepts God's mercy. Mm-hmm. Uh, holiness is what we're all called to. It gives us a desire to want to be holy. Yes, that's that's a great inspiration that we're not that far away from these two men. Father Tom, I'm going to let you go. I know you're busy, but thank you very much for, for giving us the details and, and for the work that you join do. Join us and join us for the canonization ceremony, and I'm very happy to say that I will be the voice of the Vatican for that ceremony, doing the narration for Vatican Radio. In English, yes. In English for the English-speaking world. Yes, and we will be, I'll be giving the details of all that uh, coming up. So, Thank uh, you, Deacon Pedro. Thank you, and enjoy, enjoy the weekend. Bye-bye. Father Thomas Rosica is the CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation and the executive producer of this program. He is also the English language assistant to the Vatican Press Office. We reached him in Rome earlier this week. If you're listening to this program on Saturday on the Catholic Channel, on Spirit FM, or on Holy Family Radio, the canonization ceremony will be broadcast live on Salt and Light TV at 3 a.m., that's 3 in the morning, Eastern, on Sunday, April the 27th. If you don't want to wake up that early, you can watch the rebroadcast at 9 in the morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. If you're listening to this program on Sunday at 2 p.m. on the Catholic Channel, um, no worries. You can watch the canonizations rebroadcast at 10 p.m. Eastern, 10 at night, that's 7 Pacific, on Salt and Light Television. And if, and if you're outside our broadcast area, you can watch all our programs at saltandlighttv.org. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Joe Zambone, with Get Better, from his new album, Brothers. Letting go. 
your heart will mend when you will surrender you will find rest from years of offenses you will get That was Joe Zambone with Get Better from his album Brothers. Now, last we had Joe Zambone on the show, I think it may have been the first time he was on the program, and I said that he was on his way to becoming one of the freshest sounds in the Catholic music scene. And with this new album, Brothers, I think that he's proven it. Since he was last here, after the release of his album There and Here, Joe put out another album, Sleeper Rise, in April 2012, and now this new album, Brothers. It is his fifth album, and to tell us all about it, here now is Joe Zambone. Joe, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you for having me, Pedro. So, uh, what would you say is different um, about this album? I think maybe musically it's a bit more big choruses, some stomp claps, uh, not, I wouldn't call it sing-along, but I feel like there's more yeah, the, the big choruses on this album, which I don't think I've really done yet on any of my albums. So musically, I think that's uh, something new from this album. Um, lyrically, I think I still I try to always be as raw and honest as I can, so that's yeah. probably the same. And mm-hmm. um, instrumentation-wise, it's still, I guess, kind of like the same vein, although I'm not really sure... Now, you you worked with a different producer this time, though, didn't you? I guess so, yeah. Um, Who's the producer? Well, it's my brother, my brother Nick. Um, yeah. We, uh, we bunked out in my parents' uh, farmhouse for the month, and we uh, brought in some musicians to help us out with a different um, instrumentation, but we, we were basically together for the whole month, and even the, kinda, I guess, the pre-production, just kind of mapping out what we want to do with the song. So, yeah, he, uh, he definitely had his finger in in uh, this album uh, in a big way. Now, had you worked with your brother like that before? Uh, we've done music together, but specifically where I gave him the reins of, you know, he's the sound engineer, you know, like, what do you want to do with percussion? What do you want to see happen with right. layering and everything? Uh, he, I mean, he got to call a lot of the shots, which, again, it's kind of new for us. 
in that relationship, but also just uh, musically wise, I think. Right. So how do you, how do you, Joe Zambone, go about? I guess it's two questions. How do you go about the the music, the writing process for you, and then how do you, how do you transfer that into an album? How do you put together an album? Yeah, that can be a, it can be a long process because sometimes I write stuff that never makes it on an album uh-huh. or it just stays on the shelf for a while. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, in in the writing process, um, sometimes it's it's interesting. Like sometimes I'll start writing like a group of songs that I kind of want to like. I'm already actually thinking. I'm thinking album wise. Yeah. It's like I think this song will flow nice into that song. This okay. theme is going to tie in with that theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so when I start writing, um, I have those ideas in mind. And then like yeah, when I'm then getting closer to the actual okay, like I could book off this time to to record. Then I start actually thinking more about instrumentation. How do I want to dress up the song? And sometimes then it's actually more like I guess the production side of it where okay, maybe I should reorganize the song a bit to make it more album-friendly and, okay. and possibly even... I, I don't I don't actually spend a lot of time on this, but to make it more radio-friendly, uh-huh. um, it probably actually bites me in the butt when I don't, <laughs> um, when I don't make my songs so radio-friendly. Um, yeah. So it, sometimes people don't uh, pick it up because it's too long or too boring or something. I don't know for radio. There's so. some crazy ending. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say that the album is like a mishmash, but because it isn't. But do you get the sense, or or did that there? Are, I mean, there are some songs, and we've heard "Dead Man Rise," we just heard "Get Better." Those two songs are very different. And then there's you know like the uh, the Jesus song, but then that's different than the 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 Irish jig. That that how did sort of you make all those fit into one? album that's called Brothers. Uh, Pedro, you are, are getting right at the uh, <coughs> the heart of this, because interestingly enough, my plan was just to do an EP. So it was going to be a Brothers EP, and I feel on EPs, you can, you know, just really put a mishmash, you know, yeah, you know, stew of different songs together that don't really have too much of a connection, because you're just, you're kind of just highlighting a few songs that mm-hmm. are kind of recent for you and it just happened that you know we were started recording and we we're like wow actually i have time because <clears throat> time was the biggest issue i thought i didn't have time to record a full album length but we ended up having time yeah and so then in the end i have you know a song like yeah the irish jig this instrumentation uh, going then you know a few songs later you got like a gregorian chant song that's right yes and it, i guess it could kind of I was a little like hesitant about it. Like, is this going to feel too jarring? But at the same time, too, then I was like, but I want all these songs to be here. Um, and so it's enough to to keep it together. I don't really know what is the unifying thread throughout the whole thing, except the production of it. Like, it, it's, yeah. it's the, the sound of it is all similar, like the way that it's recorded. So yeah. I feel that keeps it together. Well, let me ask you this then, because it is called Brothers, and, and, and I'm hoping that you're going to say that it's more than just the fact that you worked with your brother Nick on it. Is there more significance to the title? Well, it's so definitely it started out as like, hey, it's going to be like a fun Brothers thing, and just that word kept on being thrown around, and so I was like, it'd be cool to just call it Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a few, like there's a song, you know, called Remember the Poor, mm-hmm. and um and there's a few different things, like even in Dead Man Rises, you look at the lyrics, there is a sense of like, I mean, like, 
I'm I'm a, I'm a brother to those who are poor, to those, right. um, you know, who are in need, and I wouldn't go so far to say it's like like strongly like a social justice theme, but it's more a thing of like identifying like myself with kind of these people in different places. Even in one of the last songs, um, nothing is impossible. This this idea of like there's no prison cell where light can't reach. Yeah, like that prison cell is. Is mean the prison cell of our own heart, you know, like where are you locked up? But also, like literally, like there's people, brothers in prison mm-hmm. that I believe, you know, like God is not out of the reach of them, you know, like um, yeah, that God course. can even reach, you know, the greatest sinner, and that that sinner can even be myself. So I think brothers is then like there was that that sense of like the fraternity. Um, among like yeah the different kind of scopes of mm-hmm. people you know mm-hmm. absolutely now you have two album release concerts coming up may 2nd uh, in ottawa and may 3rd in toronto so people can get more information at your website and i'll give that at, that uh, at the end of the program but then your plan is also to take it on tour to the east coast correct yeah so my hope is to kind of get across canada by the end of the summer and then also tackle the states so in may my plan is to do two weeks uh the first two weeks in the east coast of canada and then july start heading west for the full month all the way to victoria um and then august if it all comes together to then do two weeks down in the states mostly on the east coast uh, and okay. so Hopefully this all comes together to just kind of, again, so spread the brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so if people are listening and they want to bring you, is that what you're saying? If people want to bring you, <laughs> th- th- they should contact you for yes, a concert. Yes, please do. Um, Organize most, a most of it, it's already in the works. Yeah. But um, all to say, too, I mean, hopefully I'll be coming near, if you, if you live in Canada, I mean, I'll be coming near where you could live. <laughs> um, so just keep keep close to then my was as the dates start to get settled um hopefully i'll be able to stop near town and you'll get a chance to to hear some of the new music so. excellent good good and we're also giving away a copy of the album so uh one of our listeners will have a chance to to get a free copy of brothers so that's a reminder for all our listeners to go to our website and and enter your name and and uh an email address for a chance to win we'll we'll give that prize away uh, next week, thanks thanks to the generous support of Joe Zambone. Um, Joe, thank you very much for what you're doing and, and for this album and for bringing me my personal copy a couple weeks ago. I've been listening to it. It's very good. Oh, thank you. Thanks for, uh, I mean, uh, thanks for all the support you give me. And uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to share this album. So I'm, I'm glad there's avenues like yourself to make it available for people. Thank you. Thank you. And I think that we can say safely that all these songs are being heard for the first time, debut, radio debut, right here on this program. So if you like, and again, I don't want to say it's a mishmash, but it, there's Gregorian, there's stuff that sounds like musical theater, there's Irish jig, there's dance tunes, there's praise and worship, Jesus songs, there's everything's in there. Y- everybody's going to be happy with this album. So that's Joe Zambone's Brothers. Uh, Joe now lives in Toronto, where he works as a pastoral assistant at York University's Catholic Chaplaincy. You can visit him and purchase his music at joezambonemusic.com. Here now is Joe with another track from that album, I Just Want Peace, from the new album, Brothers.
listening to Joe Zambone with I Just Want Peace from his new album, Brothers. And that will bring us to the end of the program this week. Next week, we'll be giving away a copy of Joe Zambone's Brothers. So if you liked his music, hurry to saltonlighttv.org radio and enter your name and email address for a chance to win. While you're there, you can also listen to any Salt and Light Hour programs that you may have missed. That's also where we post links to our artists and our guests. Remember to like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash slradio1, and send us your comments on what you've heard on this program. And while you're there, you can also look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, and I'm also on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed Easter season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.
Just find peace.